It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hockey Royalty Podcast, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com. No, that's not Randon McMahon, that's Joe Paterino. I'm going to be here with my man Russell Morgan. We're going to talk about the LA Kings' recent road trip, the game against the Rangers, what is going on in goal, and is Todd McClellan on the hot seat or is he not? Let's go. All right, Russ, we're back. It's been a little bit since we've we've uh, gotten together. I know you and I did a Twitter Spaces at the after the Calgary game, but we haven't done a show in a bit. So before we get into all the good news that is the LA Kings' recent stretch here, how's things? Uh, things are good. Things are good. I guess this is uh, we're recording this Wednesday night, but it'll come out on Thanksgiving. So uh, happy Thanksgiving, buddy! A little treat, right? Happy Thanksgiving, yeah, exactly. everybody! A little exactly. treat for everybody. I, it's one of my favorite holidays of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. I adore eating, uh, so I love it. It's just an absolute feast. Uh, I already know my mother-in-law is making lasagna, so I'm fired up for that. Mm. Of course, there'll be plenty of turkey. Um, so I am i can't wait. I'm going to eat my face off tomorrow. Yeah, any any of the holidays that surround themselves around food, I think that's, <laughs> that's always a plus that we can all agree on. Plus, plus, I'm a big football guy, so you got football, food. I mean, it's the American yep. dream right there. Yeah, it's an it's an all day eating fast, and then like you said, with the football. So, no, that's it, it's good. It's um, uh, I know for me, we've just got the uh, the high school team is is we had our first scrimmage today. We got our first regular season games Friday, Saturday, and we are off and running. So here we go. So go. it is officially hockey season if it wasn't already. Yeah. Um, so so fun times, but okay, enough of the fun <laughs> times, Russ. <laughs> yeah, we were having fun. Enough of the fun. The road trip. Uh, so the Kings go one, two, and one on the trip. Uh, they have a six-five crazy loss in Calgary. They followed it up with a, a strong road win in Edmonton, three to one. Much better defensively. Um, lose to Seattle, but they get a point. Um, and then, uh, excuse me, they lose to Vancouver in a, in a disappointing fashion, four to one. But they, then they get a point in Seattle. So one, two, and one on the trip. Um, 
What what are your thoughts? Oh, kind of first overall on the road trip, uh, all division opponents, of course. Uh, and then if there's any kind of in, in particular game that stuck out to you or something that stuck out to you with the play or style or uh, or anything that jumped out. Well, Joe, I've, I've, I feel I feel like I'm, I'm glad I w- we were able to sleep off last night's game because I was <laughs> I was feeling a little a little feisty last night. It was a, that game, man. It's uh, that was pretty tough. I'm talking about the Ranger game, of course, but uh, just kind of highlight the road trip. It, it's weird because the way you started off coming off that four game um, win streak at home, that Calgary game, it was almost just kind of like a laugh, like it was almost laughable. You're just kind of like the Kings gave had so many mental mistakes. I think defensemen were just kind of watching players skate into the zone and and I think the first goal was like Jersey and Roy just staring at Huberto right in front and whatnot we had mistake after mistake that whole game and then sure enough sure enough they make a comeback effort and almost tie it if not for a ridiculous save on Markstrom mm. to save to save Kopitar of all people that's been like the most snake bit person on the on the team it was just like oh my god like this is typical Kings game of course whatever let's brush it <clears> off and move on to Edmonton of course, they awesome. Like I mean, Edmonton's game, it was just like if you're just a hockey fan, you had to love that game. That was that was playoff hockey in November. Like what what more could you ask for? Um, yeah, it was everything. And then all, all of course the Trevor Moore hat trick had to love that. Um, I don't know it, that 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 was the highest point of the season so far, right? It's can I can I just touch and briefly on that Edmonton the whole Alex Edler situation? Um, yeah. Did you think anything of the hit? Because I know he's had a his. I don't know if it's fair to call it a history. He's been suspended in the past um, for similar situations. What were your thoughts on the hit uh, on McDavid? It's so weird, right? Because when you think of Alex Edler as the player, I mean, we we've known Alex Edler. He's been in the Pacific Division his whole career, so. I don't think of him as a dirty player. I never did, and I mean, I just thought of him as a solid foundational like pretty decent two-way player um i had like i would see people to calling the hit predatory and dirty and i'm like okay like yeah live like my my initial reaction live when i saw the hit was that's that's a pretty bad hit like that's that that could be a major and like obviously you don't want mcdavid to get hurt um it's the best part in the league, so the yep. Oilers are going to do what they do to protect their player. But when, when, when I'm watching that hit live, I just thought it was an immediate major. You see the replays, though, and you notice that Edler's kind of just he, – he plants himself in one spot, and he kind of just glides up toward McDavid. And the unfortunate part of that whole situation with Edler is that the way he was kind of skating, it was like his front – his right foot or his right leg was kind of leading a little bit. So when he hits McDavid – McDavid just it's knee on knee pretty much and it looks like a lot worse than what it was um and and then of course you also have McDavid who's one of the the shiftiest player in the NHL just trying to like get around players so he's jumping off to the side so after the replays I was thinking like okay it's a bad hit but it's nothing more than a knee or a trip it is what it is obviously like good thing that McDavid's okay to kind of limit the I guess damage to the to the during the play so with McDavid being okay with from it, the kind of unfortunate situation where Mc, Mc, Edler just kind of slid up into him. I'm glad it was only a minor. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I I know, and I know Zach Hyman had some pretty choice words after the game about it because um, mm-hmm. I think he got Hyman actually himself. So I can appreciate that. I get it, but I no, I don't think that this was something that was. 
predatory. I think it was uh, he got caught in a bad spot against somebody who is is um, a lot faster and obviously coming at him at a full rate of speed, and he just got caught kind of flat-footed, and it is yeah. one of those situations happen. I have no problem that it was a penalty. I wouldn't have had a problem, frankly, even if it was a major. I, I really don't think I would have had a problem. I, I think sometimes yeah. it's okay. Like, it, it can be you can have a bad play it be a penalty and then we all move on. Like it doesn't have to be a suspension or anything like that. Um, but anyways, uh, I just figured I'd get your, your, your take on that. Um, and I, I'll, what I'll say about the Edmonton game too, because there were two games on that road trip, the first two where they were pretty heavily outplayed from a possession standpoint, but they were very different in how they were done. I think that if you were to watch those games back, they gave up a ton of, scoring chances and high danger chances in Calgary. They did not against Edmonton. And I, I tend to think that that the coaching staff was perfectly fine letting Edmonton have more of the puck, which I know is not normal for the Kings. They're a very good possession team generally. But I think they were pretty happy with letting Edmonton have the puck as long as they were keeping them to the outside. And it was an extremely disciplined game in the defensive zone from the LA Kings against Edmonton. They limited them to, they, they cut the high danger chances almost in half from the game before in Calgary. So I think that was intentional with letting, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to not let McDavid and Dreisaitl like control the play when they're on the ice. It's just, they're that good. So I think that they, that was intentional, but they did a really good job of keeping things to the outside. Um, so I, I don't know that, I don't know if you, if you had a similar thought about that game, but given where the chaos of Calgary to see them shift to that in Edmonton, I thought that worked well. Yeah, it was a huge improvement, like from one game to the next. I, I think you and I, we did that Twitter spaces after, and we talked about like how the defense was just so bad in the Calgary game, and it was just a ton of mental mistakes. So then you go into Edmonton, and you're watching a team that was almost just primarily focused on defense, really. I mean, they were, yeah, like you said, they were okay with letting Edmonton have the puck. They were just really con containing, kind of collapsing in front of, um, in front of their own net and, and blocking shots and led to a season high in shots the most since 2018. And it, it was it was such a good game from like from a fan standpoint. Like that's a game like a, you can appreciate as a fan because you could you see the players giving their all yep. like they're taking advantage of opportunity and especially against a team like the Oilers that you just played seven games in the playoffs last year. So that's why I said like that that. That in that moment on the season, you're like thinking like, the sky's the limit here. Like, all right, this is the Kings <laughs> hockey we've been waiting for. Uh, we just beat the Oilers, and then you just kind of go into the rest of the road trip, and it's like, oh man, here then, we go again. And then Vancouver happens. Exactly, and <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, let's get your thoughts on Vancouver. Let's just start there. I, I didn't think they played that bad, but. I think they scored two power play goals. I think Vancouver did, and it was only a matter of time before some of these guys. Brock Besser was was was, you know, snake bitten. Um, so he got off the schneid. Elijah Patterson scores. So it was just if there was something that could go wrong, it seemed in that game that it would. I didn't think the game was like that bad, frankly, but um, from a possession standpoint, anyways. But it just they they didn't have like that extra jump. It seemed that game. Um, and, and it just, the, there was just nothing there. It seemed flat despite the pressure or excuse me, despite the possession, it just seemed like a flat performance from them. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, you're, you're kind of watching those, the game and you're, you're just like, you leave yourself like wanting more. You're like, okay, like this, 
I'm, I have the stats right in front of me. They outshot him 38 to 25. So you saw the shots, you saw the possession, but you just didn't really see any like dangerous chances. And mm-hmm. and they made Thatcher Demko look really good because Demko, like I've been watching some Canucks games and especially this last like Vegas game they, where they played, where the, I think the Canucks gave up four goals in the third period. It was just like total nonsense. Like this is a team that's been bad, and the Kings just made him look really good, and that's what we've seen from this team for it seems like so long for some reason. They make these goalies who I mean Demko's a great goalie when he's on his game, but he's been pretty average this year. Yep. And they make the th- that's what the Kings do is they make these average goalies look look like Dominic Hasek pretty much. It's insane to watch. I mean, the, I'm I'm right with you. Where the thing was like the Vancouver game, I thought the Kings actually didn't play so bad. But the yeah. thing is, is like you get dominated in in the 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 only place that matters on the scoreboard. So you just come out of it like, yeah, like what kind of moral victory can I take from this? Like, I, I, this is this is great, but this is a team that I've been watching all year that hasn't really shown me anything. So I'm waiting for that to happen. And yeah, I can take all the moral victories I I want, but that doesn't show up in the standings. Like, mm-hmm. what, what what am I gonna do with that? So I don't know. I think it's just it's just another game. You're you're kind of like wanting more from the kings yeah and it's it's just it's it's tough when you look at it at the end you see they have 55 percent course over 64 percent of the expected goals 65 percent high danger chances like they didn't play that bad but it just it just wasn't there wasn't anything there there wasn't any finished product there um and then they go they go to seattle to finish the road trip they get a point but ultimately lose um cal peterson in that we'll get to that a little bit later between the pipes but um, I guess it was okay to salvage a point. Thoughts on the game there in Seattle? Yeah, it was almost just kind of like a carryover from the Vancouver game. But they yeah. really just kind of stole that point. I thought Seattle pretty much almost outplayed them. Um, but it's it's hard to be so critical about the performance because like you're at the end of a four-game road trip, second of a back-to-back. They're both weekend games, so the, the crowd's probably buzzing too. So you have that. And for the, for the LA to come out of a point as disappointing as a road trip it, it was, it could have been a lot worse if they didn't get that point. So you have to be a little satisfied there. Yeah, I, I think, uh, like in generally speaking, to, they they picked up three points on the road trip. I know it's 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 not, you know, it's not any sort of a, a great road trip, but it, you can certainly go a lot worse than that, right? So I think that all things considered, especially when you're playing a couple of those tough teams in Calgary and Edmonton, Seattle's a much better team and. I know Vancouver struggles, but I don't think they're quite this bad. Um, and naturally, you know, I think I tweeted out Thatcher Demko. This was the Thatcher Demko I was expecting to see all season, and he shows up once, and it's, it's against the Kings. <laughs> Go figure. So they get a point on the trip, or they get three points on the trip, excuse me. Um, not a total loss, a little disappointing, a bit of a letdown after the the, the homestand that they have, uh, that they had just come off of. But but they had a chance to redeem themselves, Russ. They 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 come back home to crypto. They've got the Rangers. Kevin Fiala's back up on the top line. They score 35 seconds into the game. They're up to nothing. What could go wrong? Things are buzzing. <laughs> Take it away, Russ, with that what whatever the heck else just happened in that Ranger game. Oh man. Yeah. I was I was going into this game thinking, like, okay, this team has a couple days off. They're gonna come out flying. Mm-hmm. And sure enough. They did. I mean, it was everything you wanted from the start of a game from a standpoint of what, we, what we've what we seen lately. Move Kevin Fiala up to the first line, he immediately produces with a goal. You have a power play, 
you get Gabriel Velarde off the schneid uh, and what is his six game scoreless streak or whatever, and he gets his eleventh of the season. So, man, after the first period, you're you're feeling great. You're feeling great. Like I, I don't know. Like then all of a sudden, it's just all the wheels fall off, and you give up three goals in in the second period, and it's it sucks because like let's just let's just like talk about the big elephant in the room is is Cal Peterson, right? Is the you like that's the whole thing. Like that's really the only player I'm watching. Like every game, like whenever he's starting, I'm watching Cal Peterson probably more intently than anything else going on, on the ice. Like I want to see every save, I want to see his movement, and I want to just see everything. And th- so that's like the first goal that he gives up against the Rangers, point shot. Okay, <laughs> it's hard to be so critical of that. Like, I mean, what do you what do you think? Like let's let's just go goal by goal here. Did it not get deflected? Didn't it go off of somebody? It looked like too. He was screened, and I, I, I could have swore it changed direction. The way he acted, anyways, it looked like it, it changed directions ever so slightly on him. Maybe I'm wrong in that, but I thought it went off a body like Edler, maybe in front of the net. Um, either way, traffic in front. I hope he didn't see it, and or I hope it changed direction. Before <laughs> you give him the benefit of the doubt, right? Like for most goalies, like you see that kind of shot go in, it's like okay, your immediate thought is. You, you and then you see all the traffic too, so it's not like you're not like just saying there's no traffic and should have saved that. Like there was obviously traffic there, and yep. Yep. there's a ninety percent chance he was blocked or screened in that play. Agreed. Yeah, and so I mean, and then the second goal. Let's just go there. It's just, I think there's more of an onus on that we got to put on. I'm watching that play unfold, and I think it's Kevin Fiala that just kind of lets uh, the Rangers player, I forget who it was, just skate into the zone. And he pretty much just passed. He gave him an easy zone entry. Um, and then Dowdy just had to take him. And I, I don't know. Was it Zabinijad that scored the second goal? Let's just bring it up so I don't get it. But it's just Trocek. Sorry, it was Vincent Trocek. I, Trocek, goal, I so. think. Yeah. yeah. So Dowdy takes Trocek. And, yeah, he just gets stick to puck. But it just floats right over Peterson's mm-hmm. head. And, oh, man, like, like for, for – any goal to for that any goaltender in the NHL for that to happen to you, of course it's Cal Peterson. I don't I don't know what did you see on that, I, that play. I, I don't want to blame him for that because there's 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 multiple layers ahead of him where he was let down. Exactly, it is a fluky goal. It looked like he quite clearly lost sight of the puck. Right, it goes up in the air, and I don't think he really knew where it was, or by the time he did, it was just too late. So again, it's just. I think it's one of those goals. If he's playing well, like if you have a decent goaltending season going, you're like, ah, fluke goal. Exactly. But everything's under a microscope with him. So it's like, could he have stopped it? I'm not going to kill him on this one either, frankly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right with you. It's just, I mean, it's, it's just the goalie we're talking about here. We're like, you mm-hmm. said, it's just, we're, we're being so, we have the magnifying glass out for every save that he makes. And, and for that one, and then the first one, the first two, you're just like, okay, well, guess we just kind of let him go because we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt, I guess. <laughs> and then Capo Caco. Um, I mean, he, that was, again, it's a rebound. He's at the, he's in the paint. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to get on Kyle for that one either. No. Um, and you know what? Let's, we can just stop beating around the bush here. The Kreider goal yeah. is yeah. the goal here. And it's, it's an awful goal. Uh, I, there's just, there's no other way to put it. Coach Todd McClellan, after the game, said he had to make the save. The Kings had just tied the game on a Sean Walker goal. And that is probably as, as, 
I feel like I generally try to be Mr. Like patience. It's a long season process over result when that went in, that's about as mad as I think I've been all season. You just can't, that goal can't go in. Especially in that situation, right? Oh, but just what, how many seconds before Walker scored? Uh, like almost less than a minute, it was less than a minute. Yeah. It's just, Oh man. I, I, as soon as I saw that puck go in the corner, I'm just like, man, something bad's going to happen here. I mean, good on the, it was good on the Rangers. That's a set play. They know how fast Kreider is, so they know how fast Mikey is too. <laughs> yeah, so he he beats the icing. It's a it's a smart heads up play, and I'm sure that catches Cal off guard. You know, you're not you see how the, the, the watching it on TV is one thing. Seeing how fast that that's happening on the ice is another thing. That said, you see the play where the play's in front of him the whole time. It's an awkward angle. It beats him short side. There's no way I don't think that there's there's uh, that you can defend the goal. And what's frustrating is is overall I don't think the game was bad. Like there was a couple of there was a fluky goal, maybe a couple of fluky goals. He makes a couple of big saves, including after the Kreider goal, he makes a couple of big saves. But it's that one goal that is just killer right now. It's an absolute dagger, and it's just it's a big problem. Right now, and we'll touch on maybe a little bit more in depth the goaltending issues later. But that that was a tough one to swallow. That game, when when you have a chance, you come back, you tie the game, and to have a goal like that go in. And listen, as somebody that I've never played at the, at the pro level, of course, that's deflating. Like mm-hmm. when when you are a forward and you're working hard to try to do everything you can to scratch and claw and get that game tied up, and you do it, and your goalie gives one up like that, it's deflating. It sucks. Yep. It sucks the life out of the building, and it sucks the life out of the bench. Exactly. It's just, it's just a moment. And I'm glad McClellan answered the question the way he did, um, saying that, yeah, point blank, that's a, that's a save that they he has to make. And I'm right with you. There's no defending that. Um, you have a, a shot. Just kind of, It's a short side. It's a weird angle. Man, it's tough. And, and, yeah, you could say he had a good game, but that save just it, it taints it. Sorry. Yep. I mean, it, it, it turns that good game that he had into a bad one. That That's – you can talk about all the big saves that he made all throughout the game. That's that's cool, but he didn't make a save when they needed it most. So, yep. I'm sorry, and that's just how it is right now for the Kings. They're just not getting those saves. Yep, I'm completely with you. But uh, you know, and I know it was a loss. You know, some bad things that happened in that game, but there was some good things. Gabe Velarde scores a power play goal, gets off the Schneid there. Kevin Fiala moves back up, as you mentioned. He scores early. Thoughts on Kevin Fiala moving back up? What were, your th- what were your thoughts going into the game when you found this out? And also, um, how did they play? How did what did you think of it? You know what? My thoughts going into it when I when I first saw that Fiala was going to be back up with Kopitar, I was a little, I guess, disappointed. Um, we've seen we saw flashes of this line work at the beginning of the season, but overall they weren't really that good. And you look you look at the numbers. I think they're they're on the ice for more more goals against than they are for goals for. Um, they're generating a ton of chances. They they look good out there, but you're just kind of not seeing results. So I was hoping to see a little bit more of fluctuation in terms of the lines. But I mean, you see the results on on the ice the first 35 seconds, so all that goes away, right? And you're just like, okay, this is looking great. And McClellan even after the game talked about how he thought Kopitar and Kempe had their best game of the season. I think that's a little debatable. I'm pretty sure I think I've seen them play better than last night's game. I mean, there are still times when I'm watching that line on the ice and it's just you 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 don't see things clicking all the time. And yeah, this is their first game back. 
but I'm, I just wanted to see maybe a little bit different and maybe I'm asking a little too much. Fiala did have three points. I think he's got 14 points in like 12 games <clears> against <throat> the Rangers or something like that. So yeah, he looks pretty good there. So I, maybe if you give this line a couple more games, maybe they start to gel and figure things out. I, I might. Yeah. I kind of think it was, this was a way from McClellan trying to get, get his big guys going. He's trying to get Kopitar and Kempe going and, you know, and, and I think you wrote a very good piece, a very fair piece about Kopitar. What's going on with Kopitar? He's gotten some some struggles with his you know goals per sixty and things like that. And I think that's all very fair. I, I don't think he's been like bad, but I think it's very fair as your number one center to maybe expect just a little bit more. And obviously, Kempe was just signed to the deal. And again, Kempe hasn't been bad. He's got seven goals. It's not like he's been a, a total nothing or anything like that. It's just it feels like we're we're expecting just a little bit more out of them. And I think McClellan, he puts, you know, Kevin Fiala, who is the number one player on this team in terms of shot assists and shot contributions. Uh, and so he says, this is a guy that's getting guys going. And so he puts him on a line with Kopitar and, and Kempe. And before you know it, there's, they score right away. So I'd be curious to see. I think that's interesting though, that, that McClellan kind of has this player, in Kevin Fiala, and I think you and I had talked about this maybe off, like in a in a chat weeks ago. Like I, and I've been realizing this when I'm doing the tracking that I'm doing for the shot contributions. Like he's better than I thought. I think like <laughs> watching him individually, like how good he is. And you've talked about how there's times where he just like it. It seems like he's making these no look passes, but they're like perfect. Mm-hmm. He he's such a dynamic offensive player, and I know he has his deficiencies. On, on the defensive side of things, but that's clearly not a concern right now from McClellan. He's trying to get a couple of his big horses going, and I think it worked. And I, I just wonder if, you, if you're if you McClellan and you're like, okay, do I need to get a line going? Is somebody not clicking right now? And you can and there's your guy to kind of ignite that is Kevin Fiala. You know, we need more offense on the third line. Let's move him down, get Kapari somebody to drive the line so Kapari doesn't have to. Let's have Fiala drive the line, and he does it. Move Velarde up, and that worked for a bit. Now he's got to get his big guys going. Moves around. So maybe Fiala's a guy that he can kind of bounce around a bit in that role to try to drive a line if need be or, or, or pick some guys up. Yeah, I mean, we saw what happened when Fiala moved to the third line. We saw him elevate the game of Kupari and Grunstrom for a little while there. But <clears> – <throat> It, it's it sucks because I get the move for Fiala to go to the first line, but then you're you're playing your leading goal scorer back on the third line, and he's been one of the better offensive producers in Gabe Velarde. And it, it's it's maybe I, I see a lot more I guess offensive production in the power play, mm-hmm. maybe five on five, so maybe that's it. But it's still just tough to see because you you you've watched Gabe Velarde be so good, and then for him to go on back on the third line, which has really seemed like it's no fault of his own for play, which he's been a pretty good player. You're you're just kind of hoping, like I mentioned in the piece, you're just hoping for more offensive production from Kopitar and Kempe because right now it's kind of like as when that when they're going, the Kings are winning. Yeah, and that's and that's who we're talking about. But when the Kings are losing, it seems like we're talking about Kopitar and Kempe because they're not scoring. And it's funny, I just bring up like. Victor Arvidsson, he hasn't scored in like the last 10 games or so, but he has all these assists. He has these mm-hmm. nice passes. So there's that. For me, the line, I guess I'm getting to the point where I, as much as I love the nice line, and maybe this is a hot take, but as much as I love the nice line and as as well as they've been producing, maybe it's a time that we get to know some, some other wingers to play with. Maybe it's time we kind of just 
try something out. You know, I I, I don't know. The, I've when I when I watch those three players play, I'm like there's one word that comes to mind, and it's energy. I just see energy from that line every time they're on the ice. Trevor Moore is hustling. Victor Arvidsson's hustling. Philip Deneau is constantly two, always in the two way game. So why don't we try Deneau with like a a Velarde or a, even a Kaliev or even a Kempe? Like why? I feel like we talked, like you just mentioned with, with Fiala, McClellan's kind of using Fiala to move around to try to elevate some other players' games. I think the best player on this lineup to do that is Phil Deneau. Look at what he's been able to do for Trevor Moore. He's turned Trevor Moore into a top six player. We're, we're, not, even, we're not even thinking about moving Trevor Moore off that line right now. So I don't know. Maybe you have to try something new. And, and I don't know. Maybe it's blasphemous to say, but I think breaking up the nice line might be in the future for the Kings if this struggles continue for the for some of these other players. Oh, you there? Yeah, I think it's just it looks like you're you got some mute problems, but I'll just keep going. I mean, it's just yeah, I, I'm or I think I got you back. Are you you're, there? We go. We're here. We're back. Sorry about that. Uh, it was, I was such a big, it was such a hot take. It just like <laughs> turned your microphone off. No, no, I I actually don't think it's that crazy of a thought because I think, you know, the moving of Velarde to that line could be, you know, I, I think he adds a little bit more of a finishing touch to the more Dano combo because I agree, Dano has been outstanding in terms of of generating play and driving play, and I think he can do that. I think the where where they're going to continue to fall into situations as I don't, I still don't know if it's not Fiala on that third line as I don't know who's driving the third line. I don't know that Kapari has been able to effectively do that yet. I know Lazat has played a little bit in the third line too. And I actually don't hate that. Lazat's been really good this season. So, yeah. um, you know, long-term, I don't think that's a, a, a strong third line center necessarily, but I, I really like his game. So I, but no, I, I don't think it's crazy. Um, and I think what you're seeing is McClellan kind of moving some things around and he's uh, doing everything to not change that line. And I get it because they are an effective line. But in terms of like, is there a way to find a fit that, that works throughout the lineup that, uh, you know, maybe maybe that is an option. You know, I, I did want to ask you. So we, we've talked about now the road trip and some goaltending issues and Fiala's up and down. All this said, and, and, and we're coming off a, a really rough stretch here of games. The Kings are second in the Pacific. They're 11, 9, and 2. We're at Thanksgiving. Okay, they've played 22 games. I don't know what percent of the season that is. I don't really care. This is like one of the, 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 the marks of the season, though, where you kind of take a look at the standings, maybe take a step back and say, where are we? Who are we? Yeah. What are your overarching thoughts, I guess, on the LA Kings so far, 2022-23, you and I both pegged them as a team that finishes probably fourth in the Pacific, contending maybe we should be getting a wild card. Has anything changed that? Do you still see that? Do you think they're better, worse? Do you think they're in a better situation to win a playoff series? Now that we're 22 games into the season, what are you, where are you with this team? These first 22 games have been, it's been so hard to evaluate this team, right? I mean, even when they're winning, they don't look good. So, I mean, there's still a lot of the offseason questions that we had are still left unanswered right now. And we're 22 games in the season. But yeah, like you said, you look at the standings and the Pacific Division looks terrible. I mean, (laughs) Calgary's off to a slow start. 
I think Edmonton just lost tonight. They're or they're losing last I checked. Let me see again. They're losing three nothing with six minutes left to the or to the or yeah, to the New York Islanders, yeah, their favorite team. Oh yeah. yeah. So so yeah, there's they might lose tonight. The Penguins just beat the Flames in a shootout. So you look at the division and it's like, man, all these teams are struggling. So they're getting lucky. The Kings are getting lucky at that at, there. So there's I mean, yeah, this has been a, a just the most frustrating start to a season I can remember, but they're still there. So you're just kind of hoping that they can kind of figure it out because there's still that door that's open to stay, just stay in this playoff hunt and 22 games a season, long season ahead. So hopefully you can get some of these players back that are injured, like I follow who's been skating on his own, I believe. Um, Lemieux, I mean, you got some other players that are out. So it's just hopefully Quentin Byfield gets back in lineup at some point, but as far as my expectations for the playoffs, I think there's still a chance for this team to be a playoff team. It's just they've shown the flashes like we saw in Edmonton and we've seen in certain games this year. They just need to be consistent with it and figure out the team defense and figure out some way to get one of these goaltenders going, really. Yeah, I think if if there's one good thing to kind of take out of this first part of the season here, again, as we approach the holiday, Thanksgiving, it's that despite some ups and downs and some struggles and some, frankly, abysmal goaltending, they're it could be in a much worse spot, right? They're, right. they're sitting in second place in the division. So uh, I think all in all, it, it's been an okay start to the season, all things uh, all things considered. And uh, I agree with you that consistency has been uh, a very big problem. One thing that is not inconsistent, though, is DraftKings. Hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sportsbooking partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 on a pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. The Kings are in San Jose after the break, after Thanksgiving, after the holiday. Do you think they win and Gabe Velarde scores another power play goal? Put them together and see if you can get an even bigger payout. Combine multiple bets just like that with which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions. Apply. See show notes for details. Okay. So we, we touched on this earlier, Russ, with goaltending about the Ranger game and Cal Peterson. Mm-hmm. Let's now talk kind of big picture with goaltending. So realistically, is there anything the Kings can do with their current goaltending situation? And I'm, I guess, I don't, I don't know that we need to go too crazy into the pipeline. We can go there if you want. Um, but the pipeline is, is we acknowledge that it's kind of a problem, but Regardless, even if the pipeline wasn't a problem, the issue is still right now at the NHL level. So what can the Kings do realistically? Is there anything they can do realistically in your mind to address the current goaltending situation? Realistically, no. <laughs> there, there isn't. There isn't anything they can do. This is something that we talked about coming into the year that Cal Peterson has to take that next step, and it just hasn't happened yet. So. Man, you're if you're Bill Ranford, you better kind of figure out some way to get one of these goaltenders going a little bit. And I'm sure he's working on them every practice um, because you look at the salary cap, the cap friendly and all that good stuff. And 
see Cal Peterskin's contract. There's got another $5 million left next year. Jonathan Quick's a free, uh, a free agent next year. Um, you just kind of have to keep him around. Is Phoenix Copley going to be an answer? I don't know, but then what are you going to do with Cal Peterson? You put him on waivers, just kind of eat right. the salary that he has and and bring up Copley? Probably not. Uh, Matt Valalta, I, I, I'd love to see Valalta get a game, but he's he's kind of been in and out with the Ontario Reign. He's only played, I think, three or four games with them, so that'd be kind of tough for him to come in, especially the way the Kings defense is playing right now. You kind of just don't want to just throw him into the, into the Lions den there, so... Yeah, right now it's just you hope with your if you're McClellan, just you play one of them and you get a pretty decent start out of it, and hopefully the team defense kind of rallies around and blocks forty-seven shots in front of him. Yeah, listen, and you know what? And maybe this is just me being a homer. Maybe this is just I'm giving quick a pass here. We've the ex we're getting it's borrowed time. He's going to be thirty-seven years old in January. It shouldn't be the expectation that Jonathan Quick is is leading this team and, and being the number one guy and and, and having a, like these these great numbers. He is in. He's very much on the back nine of his career, and I, I, I you know, but he may disagree. I'm sure he's going to want to play his ass off a little bit more. He's as competitive as they come, but Father Time is undefeated. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of giving him a little bit of a pass here. And if he's having a rough go of it to start the season. Guy's gonna be 37 years old. I'm 37 years old. I sure as hell would meal playing in I'll tell you that right now, Russ. So, like, it's, it's, I'm kind of giving them a pass. And it's like the, they really need Cal Peterson. And I think I agree. I realistically, I don't think there's anything that they could have done. There's no way they were going to do anything different at the start of the season. There is not a chance that Rob Blake was going to move on from Cal Peterson just because he had a bad season last year before his contract even kicked in. There's no way that we're going to see this through. Now, <laughs> will they continue <laughs> to see this through? It's going to be a, a – I don't know how they navigate this because I, I just don't see them – well, they would have to waive him, you know, or or worst case, eventually buy him out. I don't see either of those things happening. I just think that's really, really poor in terms of asset management. I know some people would say, well, just cut your losses if it's this bad and you're actively hurting your team <laughs> by <laughs> by having Cal play as poorly as he is. I, I don't know that we're there yet um, because, I, and again, the team themselves have played, you know, 22 games. Cal has played, what, eight? I don't even think he's played double-digit games. So I, I do still want more, but listen, my patience is wearing very thin. And looking ahead to next season, like you are dealing with a situation where you have a a severely underperforming goaltender under contract at too big of a price. And you also have a team legend who basically is going to write his own deal. I mean, within reason, I can't if I have to think if Quick wants to come back, I don't think the Kings are telling him no if he wants to play sign a one year deal and stick stick around. Maybe they do. Maybe Rob Blake says, listen, man, appreciate it, but Cal ain't doing it, so we really got to go find somebody else. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, not only is this an issue right now, this is a potential issue for next season if things don't get turned around here. I, If it continues along this way, maybe they will go the, what I consider a bit of a drastic route in terms of, of waving him or buying him out, as, yeah. as far-fetched as I think that seems. Yeah, I'm 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 glad you made that point though about Jonathan Quick about how this none of the criticism. I mean, there's 
maybe some criticism for some of the game. But yeah, this isn't a player that many were expecting for him to still be the starting goaltender for the Kings coming into this year. This was supposed to be Cal Peterson's time. He was he was paid by Rob Blake to be a starting goaltender for the Kings. He was given a three-year, $15 million deal, and he hasn't lived, lived up to it whatsoever. Um, it's been one of the bigger disappointments in terms of contracts so far. And yeah, you talk about the future. I mean, it, you you just talked about Joe how you're you're a lot more patient uh, in terms of waiting for results and stuff. I mean, I think I asked you a couple just a couple weeks ago if you were worried about Cal. I said I was worried about him. You said you weren't too worried about him. Now it sounds like you are worried about him. <laughs> yes, that's I'm, I'm obviously more than worried more than worried about him. But yeah, but the thing is, there's still you just you're kind of waiting and hoping that he can take the reins at some point, and you see some. And, there, okay, so let, let's talk, actually talk about what we're seeing in Cal's game right now. Sure. There's way too much movement. There's just way too much movement in his game. You you watch him make saves, and for some reason he like we talked about like the thing with Quick is we we as Kings fans we've watched Jonathan Quick, who's just one of the more athletic goaltenders in NHL history, right? He's like Dominic Hasek on steroids. He's just all over the ice, just making athletic save after athletic save. You hear about this guy named Cal Peterson come in. And you're preached about how he's all positional, all fundamental, all just gets in the right position and stops pucks. And right now we're seeing him get in position, but then it's just a little too much movement in in that positioning. He's he's there to make a save, but then he just keeps moving when he's making saves. And I don't know, maybe it's a little bit of happy feet that we're seeing from him. Maybe it's just me that I'm seeing it. But for me, it's just it's not the same goaltender that we were kind of expecting him to be, or even what we saw when he first came into the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. And he, remember, like, it's not that long ago. He was good for the Kings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't that long ago. And I would agree. Like, you look at the save that, that was all over Twitter against the Rangers where he came flying back into the crease. <laughs> Why was he behind the net? Like, so, exactly. yeah. Exactly. It's a great save, but you hope you're not putting himself well, in. Well, and then, and then also yeah. for that save, like, I don't even know if he makes that save. I'm pretty sure it's Alex Edler kind of saving off him. Yeah. And then it goes off Cal's glove. There's that view where you're looking straight at the net from ice level, and it looks a lot like like, like cooler, I guess, because you see it go off Edler, but then you see it go off his glove. But then you look overhead, and you see the puck kind of deflect, and it's going wide already yeah. at that point. So it's, it's already saved. But the fact that it goes off Peterson's – I mean, but, yeah, all that being said – what happened like five seconds before that? What's going on? Why are you behind the net over there? Yeah, he's 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 going for a bit of a ride a little too frequently, and I would agree. Like, and again, I, we've talked about this. I very very I'm very hesitant to be too critical on the technical aspect of goaltending because it is a much more technical position than any other position on the ice, and I didn't play it, um, so I, I am admittedly cautious. But I agree with you that he never the way I describe it is he never is looking set. Yep. Like if, if the pass goes across to somebody, he has time to be square, get out and he's set. And he just, there's too many times where he's getting beaten down low, even through the legs because he's not set. And it's, I'm so, but it's not as if it's a situation where it's a one-time play or there's a reason he shouldn't be set. It's as if he gets set and then he's moving again. And I'm not sure why. Um, so that's pretty concerning. Again, as somebody who is not, an expert in the technical expertise of goaltending to me it's somebody it's something that's concerning he's not quiet but at the same time like he's not he doesn't display that same athleticism i don't think that quick 
has shown in his career. So it's he's kind of like in between right now, and and something just seems lost in his game. And I and I don't know if it's mental at this point. Um, I don't know if he's overthinking it. I don't know what's going on, but something is just not right with him, and he's just not settled in goal. And I don't know how you fix that or how that how whether it's he or Bill Ranford or whoever. I don't know how that gets fixed. I think I think one thing that the team can do to help Cal Peterson is just play better defense. Really, I mean, yeah, let's talk about Cal Peterson and and how like this he's been looking pretty pretty poor lately. But I mean, also the team <clears throat> defense has been really bad in front of him, so they're not giving him any favors. But and then and then look and look when that defense plays good, the Edmonton game. We all talk about how good Cal Peterson looked in that game. Because, yeah, the defense is playing much better. So it has to start there, I think. I think that's one thing that, like, the team has to to rally around Cal, their goaltending <clears throat> and think about, like, hey, like, let's look at the numbers that we're giving our goaltenders and take a little bit of responsibility here. Let's play a little bit focused. Let's focus a lot more on defense and then give up a lot less uh, high danger chances to their team. And maybe that kind of gives a little bit of confidence to your goaltenders and helps improve their game going forward. Let me segue this into the next topic here because show me a good coach and I'll show you a good goaltender. I don't think you have to go too hard to look back into some Vesna or excuse me, some um, you know Jack Adams winners and take a look between the pipes and see a pretty impressive goaltending situation that they had that year. So, is Todd McClellan's seat getting hot again? Is that a little crazy? He's in, like I said, we just talked about the team's in second place in the division, right? I, I, so. I'll just say personally, I don't think so. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. I think the team you you have a team that is what among the top five in possession statistics. They're one of the better teams in scoring chances. They're one of the better teams in expected goals. They're top ten across the board in all those in all those categories. Yes, the defensive game has struggled. We've seen him make some tweaks to lines. I know we all we can all have disagreements with lines. I think you're no one's ever going to be 100 percent happy, and that's not his job to make everybody happy. All in all, he's got the team in second place, despite this kind of what three or four game skid that they're on here. And I the process. I know the defensive zone is a bit of a struggle right now but overall like i said they're top 10 in a lot of the, the categories that are kind of worth looking into so i personally i i don't think so at all i don't know uh, there seems to be a little bit of chatter and a little bit of buzz uh, amongst the 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 twitter community again we're at we're at an area where you're at thanksgiving which is kind of a natural stopping point to kind of mm -hmm. take a reset do you think there's anything to this so I'm getting a lot, a lot of Terry Murray vibes watching watching the season so far, and I'll I'll bring up uh, what what Terry Murray's when the Kings fired Terry Murray in 2011, the, their record was 13, 12, and four. I think they were in the midst of a four game losing streak. They had only given scored they hadn't scored more than two goals in all four of those games, which is a 514 points percentage. So you're 29 games to the season, 514 point percentage. Right now the Kings are 11, nine, and two. It's a 545 point percentage. So they're still they're a little bit better than they were than they were. But the thing is, is you you watch the the team and you you're just kind of you don't you don't think it's a good team. You don't the Kings don't look like a good hockey team right now. But we talked about this after the Flames game. Is just there's there's so many mistakes happening that I don't put any of them on McClellan. There's there's just mental mistakes. There's poor goaltending and 
And unfortunately, that's something that the co- it's just hard to fix if you're a coach. I mean, I asked you, like, you're you're head coach of a hockey team. Like, what do you do in these situations? There's not there's not much you can do. So the the thing I get is is the thing with like when a team is slumping, like the like especially a team that is expected to do well. Everybody looks to the coach because you can't just change the players that are on your team. That's that's the coach is always the easiest position to fix. And I'm with you. I don't think there's any reason for McClellan to be on the hot seat right now. But if you you say 10 games from now when the Kings have maybe a similar type record than what happens when Terry Murray was fired and they're still kind of playing this way. The only reason I can see that happening where McClellan is actually fired is because you have to just have something change in the organization where it, it kind of opens the players' eyes. Because even when Murray was fired, I didn't think the team was necessarily terrible or bad. It was just kind of like a, they, there needed to be a jolt. There needed to be a change. There needed to be some kind of energy switch within the team in order for them to open their eyes and say, hey, we, we need to wake up here. And... So that's where that's really where I think this is going. It was where I think this could be heading if McClellan starts getting on the hot seat. Where if the team keeps playing this way, where they're getting poor goaltending and the defense just kind of lacking a little bit, you have to fix something. You have to make some kind of change. And whether it be making a big trade, maybe that's another route they go. But I think one of the routes that a lot of teams do, we look back in history, is just make a change at the head coaching position because that's really the easiest position to fix or change at that point. I think I'm I'm going to say that and I'm going to just put it out there right now that I think McClellan is 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 quite safe actually I think he's quite safe and I think he finishes the season and the reason I say that is because even with the defensive issues defensive zone issues I really think that that and and I think you tweeted out the other day that goal saved above expected and where the Kings fall like I don't know if you're Rob Blake you have signed Cal Peterson. This is your pick. By firing McClellan, I don't know. I, I just don't think that is a good look. And Blake has done a lot of great things. We've sang his praises on this show numerous times. And, you know, it's un, you're not going to get them all right. And so far, Cal's not looking right. And I just don't think Blake can realistically put the struggles between the pipes on Todd McClellan. And I really think if the Kings were getting a few more saves, this isn't even mentioned, right? I mean, you probably got a couple of more wins on your belt. Um, and I, and I think really that's, it's as simple as that. And I think, I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I think that for that reason, I think McClellan's actually pretty safe because I, I don't think, I think Blake understands what's going on here. I think that in large part, it's goaltending. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. A lot of the problems that we're seeing right now for this team is because of Rod Blake, is some of the decisions he's made. He's, he's, yeah, like you said, he's the one that signed Cal. He's the one that's brought back Sean Walker to play. He, he, he mentioned himself that he was thinking Sean Walker would be comfortable playing on the left side coming off of a of severe injury. So this, these are all decisions that Rod Blake made. So, and he's also the one that brought in McClellan. So that and that's kind of why I've always hinted at like when are we going to see that big trade happen? I mean, you don't you don't want this to be a lost season. That would be horrible. If if I, I think it would be bad if this team missed the playoffs. I think that would be a step back a little bit. I mean, we'll see what happens later on this season, obviously. But I, I think expectations coming this year that this team should make the playoffs. You bring in a player like Kevin Fiala, you have 
aging vets like Kopitar and Quick and, and Dowdy, you want to try to make another run. So I think that would be a disappointment. So that's kind of why I'm waiting for Rob Blake to just pull the trigger on some big move to kind of fix something here. Because there's there's holes that need fixing. <laughs> you you look at the lineup and man, Sean Dersey playing the left side, that's just handcuffing him. He needs to be, he looks a lot better on the right side. Mm-hmm. Alex Edler is, is right now on pace to play all 82 games. Is that <laughs> is that good to see? Probably not. And your goaltenders are just not looking good. So, yeah, this is a, a team that Rob Blake made. This is what he's handed McClellan. And I think that would be a, a mistake if Rob Blake uh, made that decision to fire McClellan before pulling the trigger on some big move. I think that's a really good point. I, think, I do think that that, it'd be, he, that has to come first. Like, he has to try to fix yeah. them. Like, it's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a... It's a mixed matched and a, and a misshaped, if that makes sense, decor right now. And they're making the best of it to the, the best of their abilities. I think, you know, when we talk about this, I don't have like any particular necessarily issue with Sean Walker, even as a player. And I think Jersey's done about as well as he can on the left side. It's just because of the situation that they have, they're both being asked to do these things and play in certain situations and maybe play more than they should be. Same with Edler. Um, I will say really quick note on that. I think Mo Ferrari's looked really good the two games he's played. Yeah. Um, not a total surprise, I think, to either of us. So we'll see. I, I, I don't think McClellan's seat is very warm right now. I think it's just you're in a skid, a four-game skid, that happens throughout the course of an 82-game season. Not the end of the world, frankly, in my opinion. It sucks because you know some of this came against division opponents, um, but every team is going to go through these type of ups and downs and streaks throughout the season. So um, I don't, I'll I don't say this. Good. I'll say this. Jacob Chickren played 23 minutes the other night for the Cavities. <laughs> we allowed to mention his name in this. Uh, I, I don't know. He's, he's looking, he's looking, he's back and healthy and playing games again. So it might fill a need there. Maybe, maybe that's a little foreshadowing. And Russ, that'll be, that would be a future bat stamp player of the week for Russell Morgan. So, oh, but for this week, the bat stamp player of the week. So before we get into that bat stamps, what is bat stamp? So it's an app that we've talked about in this show. I use this app religiously. Um, and one of the biggest things that I use it for is line shopping. You go to the grocery store and you're looking at comparing similar products. You're going to go to the one that has the, the same product, for lesser cost. And that's exactly what the line shopping that you can do with BetStamp is. So I'm in New York. So I have all of my my books that are available to me here in New York on my app loaded uh, that I have accounts at. And case in point, last night I played the Buffalo Sabres at plus 160. This morning when the line opened, uh, we came in this morning and I it closed at plus 118. That is a significant amount of closing line value of over 7.4%. The Sabres ended up winning tonight. No, I'm not going to talk about the betting against the New York Islanders again because that didn't go so well tonight. But anyways, if you're getting closing line value uh, over the course of the long haul in the season, that is going to go a long way to winning in the long haul. And the way to do that is to do line shopping, and there's no better way to do that, no better place to do that than at BetStamp. Um Again, it allows you to have a, multiple accounts at different sports book, and you don't have to. Because trust me, I did this before Batstamp. I would have to log into each one of the sports books and see which one had the better odds. Where Batstamp has it all in one house right now. 
It's verified bet tracking. You can log in to BetStamp and you can follow me if you wanted to. Just don't, again, don't follow me when I bet against the Islanders, but you can follow <laughs> me. You can see my record over the last, since I've joined BetStamp a year ago, you can see my record for this current hockey season and those ups and downs. And it's all verified. And that's just me. You can follow anybody. If you were somebody that is looking to, you know, you don't want to do a lot of the work. You just want to follow somebody that is, that does this for a living, if you will, and, and is a winning better. You can see everybody, their records are transparent. Everything is right there on the Bet Stamp app. And you can pick and choose who you want to follow and, and pick their plays. Or if you wanted to buy their plays, you can go ahead and do that. It's a commission-free marketplace. So if you're somebody that's looking to sell picks on Bet Stamp, uh, and again, if there's any place that, that you are you should feel okay about buying picks from people. It's bet stamp because everything is verified. Everything is tracked. Their records are very transparent. They have to be because bet stamp makes it that way. So uh, use the code hockey royalty uh, and you can, uh, again, the, the line shopping, it makes a big difference. So again, use code hockey royalty bet stamp. Uh, it's your place to be for, uh, to accomplish that. So Russ, bet stamp player of the week. I know it's been a rough week. <laughs> Who are you going to go with for your bet stamp player of the week? Ooh, I think I think this might be a pretty easy answer. I think just because of the, the big game and how big of a game it was, and I just have to go with Trevor Moore. Um, mm -hmm. There's been so many ups and downs, so many disappointments, so many highs and lows this season. And for Kings fans, for them to get their revenge against the Edmonton Oilers and for Trevor Moore to score a hat trick nonetheless in that game, I think that was just elation <clears throat> for Kings fans. I, uh, I've never been so hyped for a regular season game in quite some time. And and watching that game, for them to shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Trevor Moore to be involved in all goals, uh, I think that was just that was just utter joy. So he's all, he also had the – I think it was a shorthanded goal in, in Seattle, so there's that too. Um, he's just he's he's as a player he's the Swiss Army Army knife for the Kings and and maybe that's a lot more to do with what he playing with to know but he's elevated his game to a point where not a lot of people expecting him to be especially in the NHL not let alone just for for the Kings so Trevor Moore he's just a player that you just have to appreciate and uh, he's my player of the week. There were questions coming into the season that we talked about. It was like Trevor Moore had his breakout last year. I was like, is it for real? Can he be he be trusted as a top six player? And man doing the 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 shot contribution tracking that I'm doing, and I've tracked every game except for the Ranger game. I haven't done that one yet, but tra Trevor Moore grades out really well, Russ. He's he's third on the team in shot contributions per 60, or excuse me, shot attempts per 60 individually, and he's second on the team in shot contributions per 60. Like, he's been like really, really good, and I think it goes along with – I, this is why they work so well together. Phil Deneau is second on the team and shot assists per 60. So you have a really great complement of guys there. And that, that's why it's just clicking so well. I love the shout. And actually mine is kind of along the same lines where it's, it's in part, he's had a pretty good week. Um, but also it's, he, he had a goal. I think he had a goal and assist. Uh, he had two points and Blake, it's Blake Lazat, but it's also very similar in that I want to highlight Blake Lazat because mm -hmm. he, he, he won that fourth line center job at the start of last season. He is among the best. He's tied for first on the team, first of all, in goals per 60. He's tied for third on the team in shot contributions per 60. He continues to be a player that controls the puck possession and, and drives his fourth line. 
Uh, they're not getting hemmed in their own zone. They're creating scoring opportunities. They're creating high danger chances. They're not giving up a lot of high danger chances. They're doing so many things well, and I think it's really because of Blake Lazat. And you got two players here in Trevor Moore and Blake Lazat that are very, very kind of underrated and underheralded. But boy, do they just play a role and they play it so effectively. So mine is kind of along a similar vein in that it, it's it's as much their performance this past week, but also kind of highlighting like, hey, man, this guy's. He's playing really well, I, again, is Blake Lazat. Yeah, it's a player that not a lot of people expected him to still be on this team, maybe if you'd asked him <laughs> a couple years ago. And he's received a lot of criticism from people. I'm sure I've been at fault of that too. But he's turned into a, such a reliable player for Tom McClellan. And I'm glad he's getting his, ch his chance on the third line. Uh, he kind of deserves it. There's really no one else to play there right now, so it's kind of – it's hey, a whole other he, problem, Russ. Yeah, it's a whole other problem, exactly. But hey, for for Lazat to get the chance to play there, I think he's kind of earned it. It's it's a player that, like, I mean, besides the giveaway against Edmonton, you're, you're you haven't really thought of Lazat being a problem really yep. at any points uh, during the season. So he's only contributing and still playing the same physical type play that he's he's played the last few seasons. So I, I'm, I'm I'm glad you gave him the the props that he deserved. Before we we say goodbye tonight, we do want to get into the Ontario rain, so we're going to make it rain a little bit here. We do want to touch it. on a, a couple of things in particular. You know, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me cut you off real quick. They're yeah. actually playing right now. Uh, Samuel Fagmo oh, sure. got, got off the, the schneid, and he scored. So it's one nothing right now against Barracuda. So we'll there see what we ends go. up. Because they ended a little bit of a losing, they were on a losing skid themselves that they just recently ended, uh, which was nice to see. So hopefully they get things back going. But two players that I wanted to highlight here um, that we can talk about a little bit. Alex Turcotte has now played five games. He's got an assist. He's averaging uh, just over 14 minutes of ice time per game. Brant Clark scored his first pro goal. Yes, he is playing, Russell, just <laughs> somewhere. Um, he's now got a goal and assist in three games. He's averaging t over 21, almost 22 minutes per game, which is second on the team to Jordan Spence. Um, I don't know how much of, of the rain you've been able to watch this season, particularly lately with these two players, but um, why don't we start with Turcotte? He's back. He's playing. We've got five games under our belt. Sigh of relief, deep breath. Let's, right, let's keep this going. Just play. Yeah. Is that the goal? Yeah, exactly. I've actually been, I've watched, I think, the last three or four games. I've been trying to watch Turcotte as much as I can. That's a player I'm really interested to see how he develops. Um I think the I think he's moving really well. Uh, he's 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 skating well. Um, he's handling the puck pretty well. Uh, the one thing I'm watching with him is just to see how he absorbs contact. And I think there was there was one play. Oh, they actually just scored right now. Uh, but there's one play that uh, Turcotte. He I, I don't know which game it was, but he took a pretty rough hit along the boards, and I, I almost thought he was dazed a little bit. And I was like, oh no, oh Chromiak, Chromiak is that his first pro? That's his first pro goal. Let's go. Here we go. Love it. <laughs> we got Instant it. reaction. Live reaction. I love it. Martin Chromia <laughs> getting his first professional goal. Let's see how he scores here. Oh, a little. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Okay. So it was Bjornfoot. Chromiak made. It was a beautiful okay. pass by Chromiak <laughs> to Tobias Bjornfoot. Um, Who's having a pretty goal. nice season, yeah, by the way. Tobias exactly. Yeah. I, and I would direct everybody to the Hockey Royalty website. Kyle Garcia, who's doing a great job following the rainforest this year, has, uh, has just posted an article, kind of an update, and as to how are the defensemen doing in Ontario. Uh, and we had some, uh, he had some, some good words to say about Tobias Bjornfoot. But sorry, yeah. you're watching. No, Turcotte. I love, love the segue. Um, yeah, but Turcotte, I'm just. It looks like he's being, he's able to take contact pretty well. 
uh, especially after coming off a concussion. So I'm just going to keep <clears> watching <throat> him to make sure, see if he continues skating well, and and hopefully the offensive production will start coming too. Maybe we see him on the NHL lineup sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think if he can get a a, a I've used the phrase a stretch of games. It just seems like he never can do it. But if he can string together, you know, 20, 30, 40 games in a row, get something under his belt. We saw with Akil Thomas last year, the first 20 games of his season was, was it took him a bit to find his way and to find his footing. But when he did, he he went nuts in the second half of the season. So perhaps something like that can happen with, with Turcotte. And if need be, if he is indeed healthy and, and doing such, uh, and there's a spot that's needed in the Kings, you know, um, Maybe maybe he'll be up there. So I'm just thrilled that he's healthy and he's playing, and I, I really really hope for the kid that uh, uh, that he's able to continue that. So Brant Clark scores his first goal. Uh, he has now played uh, three games, but we're kind of approaching another situation where we are going to have to have another decision. Um, the way things look at the NHL roster, there just there continues to be a log jam that there really isn't a spot. But we know he cannot stay down in this. It can't be a season long conditioning stint, Russ, in the AHL, unfortunately. So, um, first thoughts on his goal, his play in his few games here uh, in Ontario, and then kind of looking ahead, what do you think is next for Brent Clark? Uh, I think Clark's played well in the AHL. Um, <laughs> He, he kind of he doesn't look out of place. I mean, he didn't look out of place in the NHL, so he's just gone to the AHL, and I'm sure his mentality is thinking like, "Hey, I've already played at NHL games. I should be able to. This should be easy for me." And and not not that the AHL is an easy league to play in. It's still the second pro- highest tier league in the in the North America. But he still looked good. He's he's still making plays that we we've seen from him. He's he's dangling people. I love it. So um, he's looking pretty confident. Uh, as far as his future, it, it's it's funny because I hear so much more about Shane Wright and his situation than I do Brent Clark, and, and they're literally in the same situation. Like from national mm-hmm. media, like I listen I listen to Thirty Two pot, uh, Thoughts yep. podcast with Elliot Freeman, J- Jeff Merrick. They do a pretty good job, and free and then they have a whole segment of talking about Shane Wright and and yeah, Shane Wright's been scratched and whatnot. But I mean, Brent Clark's going through the same thing. It's just that's just pretty funny to me. Well, and what's kind of strange about that is so it's not as if it's seattle they're not toronto yeah and that, that's what that's what it is too like, and, this is such... and, it's, and and brant clark is also canadian <laughs> top 10 <laughs> pick so like gonna be you, a big anchor on their defense if he goes to the world like, juniors like you would think the stories would be very similar but evidently hey, not la is a, a lot further south than seattle i guess <laughs> so a little closer to that, that border but yeah, it's just it is what it is. But as far as Clark's future, I mean, uh, he might he might probably end up back in juniors at a later point in the season. That, that's where I think it's going because, yeah, it, right now I think, unfortunately, the best thing for him from a Kings fans' point of view is he's probably going to end up back uh, in Team Canada for Team Canada camp. I'm sure Rob Blake would want to make sure that he's going to be well taken care of there and and all that that good stuff, but. From where it's heading, I don't know. Do you do you envision him coming back up to the Kings and playing games with them after this conditioning stint? I don't see it happening. We're coming no. up to that junior camp. It's starting soon. Not unless there's a trade, um, because I just don't. I don't envision them bringing him up and him being the seventh defenseman. I, yeah. I just don't. I don't see it. I think Mulverari is a much better fit for that position. Um, and frankly, I think he's somebody that can play pretty much every day, right? So unless there's something that that happens on a trade standpoint, 
Um, I, I don't think he's going to be <clears throat> playing for the Kings. Now, it was weird because it was on one of the more recent shows. I was pretty adamant that, like, no, I don't, I don't know that I, I buy the whole World Junior thing because it's no win. He's already played in the NHL. He's playing pro hockey. If he doesn't go there and dominate or he doesn't, you know, show out, you know, it's like – what does he have? I don't know. It, it, it's not like a, a big win situation for him. If he's either supposed to do it or he doesn't, and it's disappointing. But at this point, yeah, I think that is a likely scenario where he does get into that camp and plays because his conditioning assignment is going to be up. And I don't see a, a scenario right now where the Kings play him. Um, there's a reason he's in. He's obviously not on a conditioning assignment because he needs conditioning. He's on a conditioning assignment because there's a roster jam, you know, a big and, they, loophole there. and they found a loophole. So good on them and good on Seattle for, you know, whatever it's, is what they do is people are paid big money to do that. And that's fine. I get it. So like he, at the end of the day, he's got to play. And I hate to say this, that he's, that he goes back to the OHL, but if they're not going to make a trade to clear up a spot, I think he has to go back to the OHL and play. Um, it, it sucks, but um, for now, I think that's my opinion, and that's my thought on what will happen. And then, again, we'll see over the next week or so if he if there is a trade that happens, then maybe that will be kind of a hint that something's coming. But until then, I don't see it. Yeah, it's just it's a player that just needs to be playing hockey games, really, right? I mean, it, it's, it's been unfortunate that he's – even has to go through all these loopholes and whatnot. You can talk about maybe how that's not fair to the player, but it's just is what it is. It's a business and Kings got to take care of their assets. So I, I totally understand that. Um, so yeah, it, it's just when this conditioning since over, it's if he's not going to be playing games in the NHL, most likely the only place you can send him is the OHL. And if it's between the OHL and the world juniors, then obviously you're probably going to pick the world juniors. Cause that's a little bit better of a competition uh, event for him to play in. So, and then after that, you kind of hope that the Barry Colts, if he does go back there, can make a little bit of a Memorial cup run, look pretty good playing in the OHL, play some important hockey later on. And then, Hey, when that season's over, I think he can come back and play in the AHL if I'm not mistaken. So that, that I do think maybe that might, maybe that, that might be the plan there. Because the thing is, too, Joe, is is it's not like there's they're missing a lot, too, right? Is if if you don't have Brant Clark in the lineup, and let's say like a a Jersey or a Walker or some big right shot defenseman goes down again, like last year, you, you, Jordan Spence is right there. You mm -hmm. still have a pretty decent option that we've seen already in the NHL, right? No, that's very true, and 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 I understand it from an asset standpoint. Certainly, um, I think I think he is good enough to make the Kings better. Um, but, you know, I, I again, I they, they're walking this kind of line, I feel like. I mean, it makes sense for Seattle to do this. Seattle has no expectations of, of making a playoff run right now, so protect that asset as much as you can. But if you're the Kings, you're kind of walking this, you're trying to play this balancing act of we're contending, but we're also building. And it's mm -hmm. like... I don't think you can do both. And maybe maybe contending is too strong of a word. They're not actually contenders right now. They're, they're contending for playoffs, right? They're not contending for a cup. So, you know, it's just where, where do you fall and, and, and how does that balance itself out? So we'll see. Rob Blake, you know, it's it's not an easy job that he has. And it's a, it's a, it's a good decision to have. It's a tough decision to have, but it's a good problem to have, I should say, um, yeah. that they're in. So, Russ, you know, we missed – 
Randon, our, our, our normal host today. Again, it's, it's tough, right? It's, this is a time of season, time of year. It's tough for schedules, holiday time, you know, families in town, all this stuff. So, you know, uh, it'll be nice to have him back at the helm. Um, happy to get together though. One last time before Thanksgiving, um, after this kind of disappointing stretch for the Kings, hopefully by the time we get back together next week and Rando is, is leading the charge, maybe that's what it is. He's, he's a lot more, he brings the positive vibes to the show. So I think that, you know, when he's back, the Kings are going to be doing better. That's what I think. So hopefully he has a great Thanksgiving. Russ, I hope you have a great Thanksgiving. You too, Joe. Appreciate it. I appreciate that. And for everybody listening, thanks so much. Go Kings go and have a great, happy and healthy Thanksgiving. Have a good one.